Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Sacramental Charismatic. I am your host, Luke Garrity, and I am coming live from Northern California, where it is currently, I think, in the mid-60s. Uh, was, wasn't sunny this morning, so I can't uh, throw that in anybody's face. But for those of you anywhere else in the country that are currently enjoying snowstorms and blizzards and things like that, uh, I'm praying for your soul, and I hope that you are able to make it. Um, anyway, it is my pleasure today to continue doing the podcast. And uh, for those of you who have been listening, for the month of February, it's Black History Month. And my good friend Ramon had mentioned a, a idea about having uh, different black voices on for Black History, History Month. And I thought that would be a great thing to do. And so uh, I've had Ramon on. I had my friend Edgar on. And today I have... Uh, a great guest, someone who I have known for, I don't even know how long I've known her, and I don't know where we even met. I was actually trying to figure it out. I think it was some vineyard event or something like that. But I do know that she is an amazing human being, and I'm super excited to have my friend Stephanie Snow on the podcast. Stephanie, what's up? Hello. Good morning. From cold, snowy Chicago, since you <laughs> launched and led with that, we are I getting- had to. Um, yet another round of snow. And so this is the time of year where I'm, I'm pretty tapped out. But thank you for your prayers for our <laughs> I, I, I pray for you every day. It I, is. I lift up the Midwest. <laughs> we, we appreciate you. And, and thank you for not mentioning that there may be sun or there was sun. You yeah. Fun. Well, yeah. you know, I was in Minnesota last week. And um, it just happened to be like every time I go to Minnesota to visit my family, it's always the coldest it's been for a really long time. So it was like negative 17 at night. And I was I had my heater at 85 in the little place I was staying. It's crazy. I know. I had to have, you know, I had to have something to keep me, keep me warm. Yeah, yeah. I, I was all by myself. Um, hey, Stephanie. So, I, actually, I, I think we've. Uh, I was actually trying to figure out, like, where we we met. It was it at one of the vineyard conferences or? Um, I think we originally met at the South Suburban Vineyard. So I think Gino had invited oh, okay. me to preach one Sunday that yeah. He- out or something like that. I think that's the yeah. He was on sabbatical. That's right. I think right. That's, right. So that's the first time we met, and then we connected mm-hmm. again at a vineyard conference. I think yeah. one of the Columbus ones, maybe. I think so. That yeah, had to be like twenty. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it's been yeah. it's been at least four or five years. I think. Yeah, because I, and I do remember now. It was because Angel Voice. Uh, I don't even know that lady's name at your church, but um, Angel Voice. I just call it Angel Voice. Alicia. It's Alicia oh you're gosh. thinking about. Yep, yeah. it's Alicia. I can't wait to tell <laughs> like, her that. Because then we saw each other literally. together in Columbus. We were all together again in yeah. Columbus. Yeah. That's all I call her. I don't even know her name. That sounds terrible, but I'm She's, like, when I, when I saw Gino uh, somewhat recently, like, well, maybe two years ago, I was like, how's Angel Voice? I can't wait to tell her that <laughs> and, and that we know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I listen Amazing to Alicia singer. almost every day from on one of the mm. vineyard projects. So it's 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 lovely. Her voice yeah. is Yeah. Cool. That's great. Well, I, you know, so you have been in the vineyard, uh, which is, a, you know, the church tradition that I'm a part of as well. I grew up in um, and you've been in it. And our, our the vineyard movement has historically been uh, primarily uh, white, white mm-hmm. folk, um, you know, so, soft rock from Southern California. It's kind mm-hmm. of the, the, uh, the you know, the, the surfer <laughs> craze. I don't know. We, there's all these things that we are, but uh, or we have been. Um, but you've been in the vineyard for a while now, and you're also involved, I know, with the Vineyard Justice uh, a, a Network. Um, you've you've participated in their 
their conferences and things like that, I believe. And then you also are, are involved in uh, social justice, biblical social justice, you know, the whole, the whole gamut in your local church there in Chicago. Um, in addition to maybe some, maybe fleshing that out a little bit, what are some other things that would be uh, important for our viewers and listeners to know about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, th- that's it. I am an attorney. So vocationally, I get to do justice every day. Um, and we can probably dig into that a little bit later. Um, I'm an attorney as my second career. And so I, I didn't finish law school and take the bar exam until I turned 40. And so um, my story leading um, to that actually starts starts with the vineyard. And it starts... Um, or at least this part of my history starts with the vineyard um, at the South Suburban at the South Suburban Vineyard, which was the first vineyard church that that I attended. Um, mm. It was my introduction to the to the movement, and so. Um, Can I just add really quickly, just to put in context for the church you're in, um, led senior pastor is an African American named Gino. Right, and, and his wife. Uh, and, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. And is Shannon co? Are they co-lead? I actually didn't know. They know are. They're co-lead. Oh, okay. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think. Shannon. I'm sorry, Shannon. Uh, my wife is in a cohort with them, uh, or with her, with Shannon. So I, I should probably know that. But <laughs> yeah. great people. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, in the context there, though, is like when I when I preached there, uh, it was super diverse. A lot yeah. of African Americans, a yeah. lot of Latinos, a sure. lot of. Um, well, there's a lot of white people there too. It there wasn't is, like there was, yeah. It's multi. It's it's multi ethnic. Multi. And, and yeah. here's why I start there because I that was my intro to the vineyard, and so I <laughs> yes, I just I, wanted to put that in context. Yeah, let's put this in context because I did not know until um you know Gino being the good leader that he is, you know he saw leadership in me and began to train me up, and he took me to a vineyard conference, and it wasn't until my first vineyard conference that I was like, oh, <clears throat> you know, nationally the movement seems to be a bit less diverse, I'll say that, mm-hmm. than what I had experienced in my local context. And so um, that was my introduction to the vineyard. I um, It was at that first conference, actually, that I sat in a class led by May Cannon mm-hmm. about biblical justice. And it was there that I've always had a passion for justice. I always knew internally that this was a, it was a good thing, but I thought it was separate from, from the church, separate from what, like, that God was doing, which is, historically not even accurate from what I remember from my childhood. I grew up in the black church, but there had been a disconnect somehow mm. when I first engaged in, um, in evangelical, in white evangelical space rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that conference, May taught this class. And, and I just remember her saying, you know, justice is God's idea. And it lit a fire, um, mm. it lit a fire in me. It really, really did. And so I've been on this journey, um, uh, to live the life of Micah six eight, the great requirement, as it's called, um, to do justice and to love mercy, and mm-hmm. to walk humbly with God. And so that started there. It started at that vineyard. Um, I had started law school during that time in the city, and and ended up moving back into the city, into Chicago. So the South Suburban Vineyard is in the South Suburbs of Chicago. I moved back to the city and started going to the Hyde Park Vineyard Church um, with Rand mm. and Amy Tucker. They're also co-pastors, co-lead pastors. Um, and that's where I am now. And it's it's there that I lead the Justice and Reconciliation Ministry team. And so um, I say all that to say that I get to do this um, vocationally at work as an attorney, but also through the church, in the church, um, through the local church, which is where I, I think we get to practice this and, and do this. Um, mm. Yeah. And so 
yeah, I, I think the local church is just is is the base of where we're sent out to do all of these things, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm sent from the local church into the marketplace, into community, into my workplace um, to to do this, which is the Lord's work. So Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool when you have congruency in your vocation with what you're passionate about. Yeah. And, you know, what you're, I mean, I, th- I think that, you know, there's a lot of pastors, hopefully that that would be true, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully their vocation and their <laughs> passions are congruent. Uh, but it's also amazing when you, when you, or I, I always feel like it's such a important thing to have people in the church, in the local church that are uh, actively engaged in kingdom ministry or yeah. however you want to refer to it, you know, uh, in their vocation though, mm-hmm. which, you know, I know uh, a lot of people throw a lot of shade on John Calvin for a lot of different reasons. But one of the things I love about John Calvin is that he's oftentimes, uh, you know, only known for his theology of predestination mm-hmm. and things like that. But, you know, he really wrote a lot on, on uh, just, I guess, recovering vocation as calling, sure. you know, like, sure. Hey, if you're a butcher, do butchery to the, to the glory, glory of God. God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, it's yeah. kind of cool. So you also uh, need to mention your furry friend because I feel like <laughs> if you don't, I will lose my marbles. Yeah, and you'll get a text later. So, um, and here's <laughs> here's another just uh, just what's on. I'll get, a, I'll get a text from your cat. That's the problem. It's, it's <laughs> that awkward. is it. That is it. Um, uh, so my cat, his name is Thurgood Marshall Snow, and so that's so completely on brand. And I tell people who are just meeting me, like that should tell you everything you need to know about me. I love <laughs> yeah. history. I love the law. I love black lawyers and judges. It's all come together in in my furry friend, and so he goes by Thurry, but his his majestic judicial name is Thurgood Marshall Snow, <laughs> and he uh, look he's added to my bios these days. When people ask me about me, I tell them I love to read, I love justice, I love yeah. watching documentaries, I love doing puzzles, and I love my Thurry. And so, um, yeah, he appreciates this opportunity <laughs> to have a little shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, it's funny because, uh, as you know, uh, I'm not a cat fan in you in normal well, life. Yeah, uh, you know, I haven't that. been. Yeah. I, no, I have. Well, here, this is what I'm saying. Like, I had like a rule at our house, uh, and I found out. By the way, I can make rules in my house, and my wife and my daughters do not care. They do not care at all about those rules. Yeah. So my rule was no cats, and it's probably because well, it's mostly because I'm allergic to them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we got our first cat uh, about two years ago, and then we just got a new cat. And I I actually like them. I'm not gonna lie. I don't want my yeah. wife to know that because I still have to be like you know. Um, but I also I found the more that <laughs> I'm trying, but, uh, I found out that the more I'm around the cats, the more I'm not allergic to them anymore because they're getting all their dander or yeah. whatever on me. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. more, I, mean, I, I like dogs probably better because they're, uh, they're compliant. <laughs> whereas cats are like, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, a give and take with Thurry. Like I pretend that I'm in charge and, and you know, he, yeah. He pretends to allow me to be, and so yeah, it's a game. It's, 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 it's a game. Yeah, it's exactly. Uh, that's awesome. So you've, uh, yeah, I, I always like to. Uh, I when I think about Gino or your church, um, you know, I have nothing. I actually wrote something for Multiply Vineyard a long time ago about my experience at the South Suburban Vineyard because yeah. I was really moved by it. Mm-hmm. Um, because growing up in the vineyard, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I. I was aware that it was only white people mostly. I, I mean, I think the vineyards I went to always had um, more diversity in them because of yeah. their location, but it's also been pretty well known that it was mostly white, white people, you yeah. know, like, yeah. um, you know, it's just interesting because it's, it raises all these different things about your childhood and the assumptions you have. But, but at, at that, at your, at the church you were a part of a Gino's church, 
clearly intentional about yep. um, ethnic diversity and cultural diversity. And like ethnic diversity, I think for me, in my understanding, is always a little bit easier, just a little bit than cultural diversity. Because sure. cultural diversity is like, how do you do that well when there's all these different cultures and, and whatnot? But I do know that, um, yeah, my time there was just, it just was really moving, you know, to see such a, such a diverse community of people pursuing sure. Jesus and on mission together. And so mm-hmm. a shout out to that church. That's yeah, a great church. Absolutely. And, um, and the diverse leadership, right? Like you said, that was very mm-hmm. intentional and I'm really thankful. I think it, it providential, of course, that like, that's the vineyard that I started at, right. That yeah. that was my, my entree <laughs> into the vineyard. And then yeah. being at the Hyde Park vineyard now, which is also very diverse, also, um, a, a, a multi-ethnic community, um, mm-hmm. that it's helpful for me to see the vineyard through those lenses, right? Um, even as aspirationally, I think, I don't know, I think that's the word I want to mm. say, like, you know, we can move there and we can do this. I do think there is something to be said about churches being planted intentionally from a diverse place and, and with the goal um, that we are going to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural, mm-hmm. multi-generational, you know, this is what we're going to do um, at an embryonic stage. That being said, I still think that we can still make movement, even mm-hmm. in churches, um, local churches that have not started there. Um, it's, a, yeah. it's a steeper hill to climb, right? It's mm-hmm. going to take some extra doses of of um, of grit and and um, and prayer mm. <laughs> and asking for the Spirit's help, but it, it can be done. So I just think these churches are great models, right? And I'm thankful to have been a part of them. I still consider the SSV family. Um, and to be at the High Park Vineyard, it's the same. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's great. Um, you, when you talk about like, so my observations, and I, I think that's what I wrote this article on was just my observations about um, about that church was yeah. it seemed very intentional about diversity because I, I think you're right. Um, the the only maybe this is not the best way to put it, but it felt like there was equal representation, mm-hmm. you know, across the spectrum. I mean, there were there were just lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds who were leading you know so it, yeah. it just felt very much i don't know it was like it was like a one big heaven family i guess is the you know the cheesiest yeah. way to put it um what would you say are like going into a church plant which gino and shannon did to they were intentional from the very beginning i know that story but mm. what would you say like for a church that's already in existence that they want they really feel like compelled by the holy spirit they feel compelled by the cultural moment we're in to become more intentional about being diverse, what would you mm-hmm. say like are the top three things just off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know that I can do off the top of my head because I think it's kind of tricky. <laughs> you're, you're like, hold on, let me get my hold notebook. And you've got no, 100. <laughs> I have 102. Um, I yeah, am a exactly. lawyer. So if you ask for three, I'm going to give you 10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't need. I was just having a conversation with a pastor uh, who's a friend of mine about this and, and his church is, is non-diverse at this time, but they, they want to move in that direction. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and I give this ad- advice as a layperson. It's like, you are at some point going to have to make a decision to mm-hmm. add diverse people to your staff. And, and I was very, sp- I, I said that, and I, I, what I really meant was, I mean, add a black person to your staff. I mean, add a black woman to your staff, which is really what, mm-hmm. what I meant. And so I think um, the problem is where that can feel or become like 
like tokenization. Um, so mm -hmm. wrestling with that tension. And I don't have all of the answers to that. Um, but we do serve a spirit who gives wisdom, right? And so I think that mm -hmm. um, that's the one thing I would say, like there needs to be people of color and black people specifically, I think in leadership positions um, and in the vineyard specifically, I would love to see more black women um, in, in lead pastor positions and in um, leadership nationally. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's one thing. Um, I love to read. So all of my, anyone who knows me knows that this is coming, but I, I think there's a lot to be said about um, doing research and gaining knowledge mm -hmm. and, and learning, right? Like um, oftentimes we just don't really want to do the work of, of the learning about other people, other ethnicities, other, other cultures, learning history. And I know we're going to go there in a minute, but there's a lot to be said. Like if you learn the history of what you're dealing with, with mm -hmm. um, black people, with Asian Americans, with um, Latino and Latina Americans, um, with other cultures, um, like that's going to do a lot, right? Like it'll open up empathy. It will open up understanding. Um, so make the leaders read. I, I just, mm -hmm. I just, it's a thing mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, if you, if you could read a book, or something, even read an extra long article about this, um, then mm -hmm. we can have a conversation. And and so I think that that would be um, important. And then, you know, this is not a cop out. I do think we need to pray a lot more about this, right? About mm. um, how to do this corporately, how to do this uh, as a people, right? As, as covenant people, how do we do this together? I do think it starts at the at the local church, but we're doing this as a people, right, Luke? Like, um, mm -hmm. and and as a, I'm an American, so you know, I, I have a tendency towards individualism, and there's a part of me that wants to run out and fix it all myself, or you know you know, I can fix this. I can do diversity for the church. I can do justice for the church. I can be the justice gal. I can do that. But that's not how we're, that's not what we see biblically. We're called to do this as a people. And so I think um, praying about um, how we engage together. I know that unity is a, a really funky word to use. Um, and so I mean, biblical unity when I say mm -hmm. unity, not a false peace type of unity, but seeking the spirit on how to do this together as a people um, with these diverse backgrounds. Uh, I think the, I think the unity thing is, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I was, um, I was at a pastor's meeting one time and um, I, I, I can't remember how I worded it, but I was talking about how solidarity, that was the mm -hmm. word I used. I was talking about how I was hoping that our churches could, could have some solidarity on, mm -hmm on some things and one of the pastors there was like solidarity is a political word only paul you know and i was like huh uh, and so i because i i think that the word unity and solidarity probably are you know they mean different things well it's like anybody right words word the way that i use words and the word the way you use words may be different you're a lawyer you're probably doing it right i'm not i'm probably using it wrong um but we do we use words differently and um and context matters and whatnot, but I was like, man, I was really struck by that because I, I then was fascinated by that, that um, perspective, I guess, because it seems like, you know, from a really conservative, evangelical, anti-politic type of perspective, you know, okay. solidarity, something to avoid, and we should only be about unity, which, you know, maybe, maybe that is, um, you know, helpful for some people, but I, I, I think it's interesting that unity is so monolith monolithically assumed to be, we all have to agree yeah, about yeah. everything 
you know, where there's a difference to be in unity and not have uniformity, though. Sure, like, sure. You, we don't have to dress the same, look the same, right. talk the same, et cetera. But I was struck by this uh, yesterday as I was preparing for our message. We we talked about, about love because mm. it was Valentine's Day, and we tried to do it in a way that did of not marginalize you. or make an idol of family and Thank marriage. Thank you. As, a single, as a single woman, <laughs> as your single sister, I, I definitely I appreciate that. Just want to let you know that we did clarify that multiple times. <laughs> Uh, because I think that it's interesting how the history of uh, of St. Valentine, it's not all about marriage and love. Right. It's about love in a biblical concept. But it's in- interesting to me how in John 13 and John 17, Jesus connects unity and love in a really particular way. And, and I almost get the same feeling when you're reading Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul's praying that we would know the height, the width, the length, the depth of God's love. It, it has to be like it, it, because we're in unity with God, like we mm-hmm. understand how he feels for us. So it seems like when you talk about about unity, like it's connected to love. And if we want to be more loving to our neighbors, um, our diverse neighbors, then we have to pursue some sense of of unity and and, uh, commonality, I guess. So I think that's a really I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I um just one last thing. I just finished um Compassion and Conviction, the book written mm. by um the Anne campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. it's about civic engagement, but I was really struck at one of the th- and it is a book I recommend. Of course, I'm going to have book recommendations throughout I'm this. Wanting you, you to. know that this is that is my um, that's my bag. And but- just to clarify really quickly about that, sure. there will be a link in the description for all the books that you mentioned. So this book right here is which book? <laughs> it's um, Compassion and Conviction from the Compassion. Anne campaign. Mm-hmm. Okay, Compassion and Conviction. There will be a link in the description, and sure. if you use my link, I will get an affiliate. Uh, commission so I can purchase more books. So for all my listeners, please do that. That's good to know. That's good to know for future reference, Luke. Um, (laughs) But they talk a lot about like how we can approach relationships with people who are different um, and diverse, even from how we think politically, um, ideologically, even theologically, um, Mm -hmm. but towards a common goal, right? And so even tearing down the expectation that we have to agree 100%, Mm. um, even with the person sitting right next to me, well, (laughs) pre-COVID, the person sitting right next to me in the the pew, right? That um, we can approach and be unified biblically, even without agreeing about everything, as long as we agree about the main things, right? As long as we agree about um, the main things, but approaching it. And I just love how they... They, they lay this out, right? That we can, um, and it even brought some conviction to me, right? That I can be unified with you, um, working for the good of my neighbor, right? Of, mm-hmm. of our sisters and brothers to seek shalom, to seek the peace of our cities, right? Um, without saying that we agree on everything. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just found that really helpful in reframing and helping me where I may have been like, well, they don't agree with me about everything. I shall no longer follow them on Twitter. They don't agree yeah. with me on everything. You know, there are some lines in the sand that I will draw, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we can probably do a lot better um, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know the gentleman's name right now, but I just saw recently somewhere that documentary, you you probably have heard about that guy who's an African-American who goes to KKK meetings and like has tried to befriend the KKK world. So I would love to know your thoughts on that because watching it, I was just like, whoa. But he had this interview and he was just talking about how he didn't agree with like anything that they were doing yeah. at all. But he was like, I'm trying to form relationship. So yeah. I get the feeling from most of the African-American people I know, they're like, 
why would you do that? Yeah, so like, that's my line. Up. Like, I yeah, have a Yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just want to say, I... <laughs> KKK's your line. Yeah. KKK's my line. Yeah, there's a lot. Again, I haven't watched it, and so I don't like to... Um, mm-hmm. But even that's saying something, right? I had heard about it, but chose not to watch it. So that should tell you a little <laughs> bit about... Yeah. But I, I'm not... What I'm saying is I do think, for me and my lines, I'm practicing learning, the, like, running those things, like, through a more Christ-like, Christianly. Mm. lens right um but still knowing where my lines and where my boundaries are and where what my found you know would you would you agree would you agree that every that people will have different lines though too and that that's part of that that's part of what you're talking about is having a a context where like one african-american man feels compelled i i haven't watched the whole thing but i i'm putting so i might be making things up right now but who feels compelled to like he he feels compelled to love um, so much so that he believes that love is a way to impact the yeah. KKK members. And I think there's fruit of that too. If I remember yeah. correctly, like he's actually seen people come out of that, but that might not be the same line for yourself or for other people. No, right. That may not be the line for Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> you might, you might, you might smack someone. I mean, I might, might yeah, it just may be a different experience <laughs> and the fruit. Yeah. there's, there's some good fruit. back. But yeah, I think that that's right. And it leads me also to like, you know, one of my, um, Hmm. pet peeves if you were it's like and everyone is a lot of people said this like black people we're not a monolith right and so i think you're right there's room um for there to be some um where we might go about things in different Mm -hmm. ways if if that makes sense um for me though i just want to see good welfare shalom done to my neighbors i really really want to live out the great requirement um the great commandment right i really want to um figure out a way every day uh to love my neighbors as as myself and then to practice like what does that look like practically boots on the ground right and um Mm. And that's where, where I'm saying in the local church, we need to really figure out a way to do that from a place of unity. I don't have a problem with the word solidarity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and I you, found most yeah. people of color don't, honestly, like that <laughs> yeah. was what was shocking to me. Because I, I honestly, and this just happened like within the last year. Yeah. So I had never, I had never encountered someone who had a problem with the word solidarity. Um, just because I, I I think it might also be a generational thing too. Sure. Um you know, which I, you know, we're on that. We're, we're Gen Xers, um, you Probably. know. So now we're we're considered old by uh, my kids. Just so you know, uh, we're old. Yeah, <laughs> my, my kids. Like, but but it's interesting how when I think of the word solidarity, it, it really conjures up feelings for me that are similar to empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that like we're I want to. It doesn't having solidarity with a perspective or a movement or a person does not mean that I have to agree with every single thing that right. they say or do. Like, right. I, I mean, I think um, Black Lives Matter is a, is one that I hear a lot of my conservative African-American friends talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to one just recently who he was, he was telling me that like he is, we were talking about how the validity of the, of the Black Lives Matter hashtag is I have no problem with that. He has no problem with it, but he has uh, massive concerns about the movement itself and it's like that's a perfect example of i think how a lot of people have um solidarity with something but then they also have questions about others and it feels like especially with the older older generations which i'm not i'm i'm not not i'm not part of that we're not there let's clarify (laughs) yeah uh but it was like with that with that line of thinking it's it was it's it was just fascinating to me how solidarity for them conjures up 
like not li- sticking to your convictions and yeah. not not you know I, I just I don't know what you think about that but it, yeah, it, it, I, does that feel to, similar a little bit yeah I think so and I've had the I've had similar conversations with people um other African Americans about uh about movements that you know they're mm-hmm. like well I can't check off every box but yeah, you know, I can affirm what's good, and I think you you know that phrase like the eat the meat, spit out the bones. Um, yeah, I, I very popular in the vineyard. Only, it is very popular <laughs> in the vineyard, but I've had to like apply and kind of remind people about that. Like, don't just apply that with your totally. pet to your pet yeah. projects, right? Like, why can't that same um, grace, if you will, be applied to things like Black Lives Matter, the movement, mm-hmm. right? If that's the if that's what the the issue is. Um, but again, can we affirm what's good? Can we affirm what's going to move forward a, a biblical and Christian like sense of good to neighbors and then and mm-hmm. then not agree? And that's another thing. I'm not being paid by the Ann campaign to promote this book, but this that's just another thing they talk about. Like how do we But if you buy it from me, I will get a kickback. So <laughs> please do so. <laughs> and he's not kicking back any of that to me. So I'm just saying it's really I'll throw you a gift card. Love, um, yeah. And so I, yeah, I think that's good. I would love to, you know, sit with that a, a little bit more. But yeah, I just think we can affirm what's good, right? And that yeah, we, yeah. Could, we could probably move forward together. A I, I wonder if um, I I had this. I, I really, man, you you just said so many things that I'm like, gosh, we could have like 18 podcasts on because I want to yeah. talk about tokenism because I, I that's a concern I have. Yeah, um, a little bit. And so let me flesh this out a little bit, and then I want you to like kick it back to me and you know like help me help me out um share what you're thought thinking on this stuff too so like i like the tokenism thing is interesting because when ramon had uh had suggested to me hey i'd love to be because i've been asking him to be on my podcast forever uh yeah and he has this book it just came out reclaiming diversity fantastic link in the bio yeah i yeah. i just uh I, I read it this week uh he had sent me a copy of it i didn't know that though i feel so bad he sent I me a copy i know i i had i got two two emails though okay i got one that had a uh the first chapter and that's the one i read and i was like oh my gosh so good and then he's I like i sent you the whole book I yeah i was like no i heard yeah. it on the podcast i love that you so, all fleshed that out i bought it okay <laughs> yeah, i want to say i bought it well. yeah. and i read it and it's fantastic i mean it is a thorough history of the church like i don't want to just say black history it is yeah. a history of the church uh, i think everybody needs to read it but um well, i was i was struck by by something he said because he was like yeah i think i'd like to do the interview maybe we could do it for black history month and i was like that's a fantastic idea in fact i want to try to have you know black black voices for february and then i was like but you know what i don't want my listeners to think that it's like this token right. okay black voices just in february <laughs> you know we have we have we yeah. have we have discussed a little bit or there has been some communication right <laughs> yes um, and i'm like i don't want it to be that cuz i and i and i want to be more intentional with having cuz i my my major passion right now uh, that i'm exploring so I'm 25% Japanese, which I think I, I told you that before. And there's a, like, there is almost no, oh, I don't even know how to say it, but it just feels like Asian Americans are totally the uh, overlooked minority group in a lot of different conversations about race and ethnicity and diversity. And then with the quote unquote China virus language, it's been terrible sure. for a lot of Asian Americans. Um, I, I, I mean, I just have... I have a. I, w- I really want to do do some more about that. Well, there is an Asian American and Pacific Islanders Month, and I'm like, yep. okay, so I'm going to have some voices there. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to like, I want to take advantage of these, um, these things that are built. Right? 
Yeah, opportunities yeah. that are built into our into our society that allow us to do that, but at the same time, be very intentional to to go beyond that. So, like sure. in June, Stephanie, I would love to have you on yeah. my podcast or what you know, whatever. But yeah. help help me out with that. Like, what are your thoughts when it comes to tokenism and and like what's the appropriate? Because I I feel like there may be some African American people who right now feel like okay, so the Sacramento Charismatic has black voices on during February, but that's just you know, another example of not getting it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think, right. That's really valid. Right. And it's one of the things that Feels like it. I brought up in, an, in a short email to you. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's great. Like, I think it's great that if this is the, um, the first opportunity to have to highlight black voices, I think that's well and good. I think it's great. I also think it would be great to have more um, black voices, Asian voices, um, uh, Latino, Latino throughout the podcast, throughout the life of mm-hmm. the podcast. So here I'm like both and it can never be enough, right? It can never be. Mm. Let's just let's do this. Let's make this a part of what we do a part of what you do. Um, yeah. I love highlighting black voices for black history month. I, I just did the same thing. I sent an email to, um, Rand and Amy who let's just go ahead and give them a quick shout out just because mm-hmm. I send them lots of emails. It's a part of <laughs> the shout out for them answering their emails, them responding to it and receiving the, the grace of emails that I send them. Yeah. The I like how you sent me an email right after you had heard that I hate email. That was great. I did. Way. I wanted to really, I wanted to dig into that. Like, well, let's, let's, let's practice. Let's see if we I need can, healing. Yeah. So we're going to practice this. Um, but like I said, hey, Women's History Month is next month, right? Yeah. AAPI month is coming up. Um, especially like you mentioned, um, recently, there's been a, a an uptick in violence against Asian Americans, right? And so mm-hmm. I said, hey, I would love to have um, a guest speaker for that month who is 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 Asian American, right? And so again, both and, right? And then and then the response was yes, right? Yes, let's do this. Let's use these opportunities. But the church should also be leading in this area, so we should just find a way to do more throughout the year. So my short answer is both and, right? Like that's mm. one way that we can. Um, how vineyard of you? How <laughs> I'm trying, Luke. I'm trying. You know, <laughs> you know my bits. You know, I'm still new vineyard. You know, relatively speaking. Um, so I think that's a way to do that. But here's one thing I would say about tokenism. Um, have you heard of Erwin Ince's book, The Beautiful Community? Um, I don't know that it sounds somewhat familiar. Sure. So I just started it via audiobook, and just this morning, um, he was telling the story of a woman, a black woman, who was asked by her church to lead this justice and mercy team. Right? Um, she checked some boxes. She was black. She was a woman. She had a master's degree, mm. but she ended up feeling tokenized and. And what it boiled down to was the lack of relationship, right? Like they they didn't know anything about her. Like she wasn't seen or known for who she was, but what she could do in that role. And she also Mm. looked good in the role, right? It looked good that they had a black woman in this position. And so that resonated with, with me. And I think, I think that's just one thing to consider, right? Um, As we're saying, yeah, you do need to put more people of color in these in these positions, but to make sure that we're seeing the people that we're putting in this position and to check our motives, right? Like to just make sure we're running our motives through, through the checks of the spirit, right. Mm. That, um, you know, create me a clean heart, right. Like that. And that we're honest and upfront, like 
hey, you know, ma'am, we know that we've never had a black person in any position of leadership. (laughs) We understand here's what we're going to do to help you relationally and help you um, even be the only black person in leadership at this church, Mm -hmm. which is its own mantle. Right. And so um, I don't want to make light of tokenism because I think it's a real thing. I'm just still, I'm still wrestling through this too. Like, what does it look like for a church to be intentional about this, right? To recognize like, this is a problem that's only going to be solved when we solve the problem and and do the, do the thing. Um, But also realizing one, the weight that's on leaders of color um, when they're in these roles. Right. Um, If you happen to have an Enneagram three, for those of you familiar with the Enneagram, who's an achiever, (laughs) right. In a role like this, like what's the extra weight now that's on that person to perform. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think it's a nuance. I don't know. Does does that answer a little bit of your question? Well, I, um, I think it definitely. Well, I think it definitely is helpful to think about about how. I mean, when you said earlier, because this is something I've been I've told many people. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like the any community. I, not whether it's the African American community, the Asian American community, the Latin American Latino American community. Like, it's not monolithic. You're going to find people that are all over the map. You know, so some people will feel very much like they're being used as a token, and other people will be like. Absolutely, I'd love to take that opportunity. opportunity. Right? Yeah, it's just, and I think a lot of it. Sometimes, well, maybe it feels like a lot of it will depend on what the past experiences have. Um, you know, like if you always feel like you're a token, how would you not? You, you know, right. that might conjure up every single time there's an opportunity. It comes. It's a triggering thing. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of funny uh, at the national, the last national conference. Uh, there was a women's uh, thing. I don't know, women's lunch or whatever. Um, and so somebody asked me to be the dude and i was like i was like wait a minute <laughs> like am i a token guy i was the token guy You're and it was like guy. yeah and i was like this is kind of cool <laughs> this is this like, is awesome defense, uh, right? um, oppor- yeah opportunity but here's the thing i realized this is that that i felt like it was an opportunity to talk about like biblical scholarship out there and theological re- resources that would empower women to be in senior leadership roles so i was happy to do it but then i also would say i've never ever been treated like just a token dude for most of my life you know so right. it didn't conjure didn't up those the feelings baggage, right you didn't have yeah the, yeah there were and i and i i yeah this last uh i mean this is to my to my lack of empathy and shame i had a conversation with somebody who is an african-american leader and i back it was right after the george floyd murder had happened mm-hmm. and um you know you and i you know and we're talking a lot during that time. Yeah. Well, not a lot, but we were talking and just kind of processing things. And um, I, I reached out to a person because I had connected with them a few times already. You know, like we had had previous um, interact social media interaction, mm-hmm. and they had um, participated in writing a paper that was like a fantastic paper, like three or four years ago. And I'd asked for a copy of it several times and hadn't. And at that time, I reached out to them. I said, "Hey, I just was curious. Do you still have that paper?" Yeah. And then just got, um, you know. I, the way it felt was taking a task about asking for something from them. And I'm always, you know, white people are always using black people. And it was like, felt very much out of the blue for me because I was like, what are you, I thought we were cool. You know, like I'm not that dude. I honestly, I've been, I thought I wanted your paper three years ago. Right. Um, but I, at the moment when I, when I backed up, I was like, okay, like this is a cultural moment right now. This where. moment. Yeah, there's a process going on in this person who I don't know. I mean, I don't, I can't say that we have a relationship, you know, right. um, you know, like we don't talk all the time. Um, and so I, you know, I, before I thought of, uh, before I responded to how I was feeling originally, I was like, okay, so I think I wasn't very empathetic about the whole, the whole 
context of this person because I don't know anything about them. Right. You know, so I think obviously it revealed that their experience thus far had been really negative about people um, asking them for resources uh, that were white. That, that's the I best mean, way to put it. Yeah, right. Which makes sense. And around that time, totally. like I was hearing, I was hearing a lot from my um, uh, <laughs> black sisters and brothers who were, were receiving lots of calls along those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, hey, hey, <laughs> you're black. You're black. I do recall that you're black, and I remember you saying something about. I um, just recently noticed you're black. Um, um, there was a yeah. uh, there's a funny. Um, a funny line in a recent SNL episode they did about like allies or, or something. And um, someone said some, something along the lines of, um, yeah, remember when racism started back last summer? And that's how it felt for a lot of like a lot of like. That's so bad. A lot of people, it was so bad, but I was like, it was so true because it, it felt for a lot of people who, you know, had been kind of beating the drum. Like they're, they're justice issues. Like black lives are, are being killed. Black bodies are being yeah. murdered. Like we are hurting. We are hurting. We are hurting. You're ignoring us. Um, yeah. Then to get mm-hmm. like a, you know, so can you send me your scholarship? You know, and I, I'm not, I, I get it. I'm just saying um, it, it makes sense, but there's also, yeah. there was a it's weariness. Complex. It was complex and there was like yeah, yeah. grieving and, and all of that. Um, well, it, 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 I mean, I think like, you know, as trying to be a, a ally, yeah. um, you know, like it shouldn't always have to be African-Americans who are telling everybody what books to read and, and you know, right. Like, like I get, I get that too. In fact, I had this thought, I was sitting in bed this morning um, and I woke up uh, and I was just lying. I was just thinking about it. So I have this cup. There's this really great company that I, I've been buying um, stuff from. They just have stickers, but they're really focused on social justice, the happy mm. givers. I don't know if okay. you've heard of them, no. but yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link after this. But they have I, I have this cup, and it says, "If you are more fortunate than others, build a longer table, not a taller fence." Mm. And I love that concept. And I was thinking about privilege because, um, you know, I I th- I've had a lot of privilege in my life, um, and I think oftentimes it's it's felt like. You know, um, well, there's a lot of conversations about what do you do with privilege, right? And and how you should feel, like the whole concept of white guilt and white privilege, and all these conversations have been happening for a very long time, but definitely nationally in the last year, right? Um, the, if you listen to hip hop, these are not new, and I grew up listening to hip hop, so it's kind of like, hey guys, uh, there's definitely some challenges in the world we live mm-hmm. in. It's been like that for a long time, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just the mm-hmm. last year, not just yeah. last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was thinking about the whole concept of privilege, like, you know, really for me, I've been just trying to be more intentional about using the privilege I have and I've had to be able to help others. Cause I just think this, this right here, this cup, I love it. The idea of, of not in this company, they're focused on um, social justice work uh, in Ethiopia, Puerto Rico, and I think another company too, but everything they do funds go to the, the social justice work they do. So I shout out to them. Um, in fact, I'm trying to get their owner on a podcast episode because I think it'd be really fun to hear from them. But, but, but that whole idea of, of using privilege and blessings and opportunities and whatever it is to help, help people just goes back for me to the biblical concept of we've been blessed to be a blessing, which I think is like, goes back to Abraham, Abraham blessing. Yeah. You know, um, and so it's, it's so hard and complex, I think for a lot of people, because, Sometimes when you try to be a blessing or you're trying to use your oper- your privileges to help people, if, you, if you're not really intentional or thoughtful about it, you can actually do more damage. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, like, re- mm-hmm. like I, I see that a lot with short missions trips. 
You know, yeah. like I used to do these short mission trips and it was like after my second or third one, I was like, this I think we're actually hurting more than we're helping. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about like, what are your thoughts on some of that? Like, what does that, what, are, what does that conjure up in your thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, a, a few things like the, um, the helping more than you're hurting. Here's what just, just stood out from what you said. I think the thoughtfulness and the just stopping and taking a, a step back, right? Like there's a, hmm. you know, the, um, what's the Bible verse about zeal without knowledge? Um, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes, um, and some people would like to give people the benefit of the doubt, which I really do try to do. Like it's coming from this place of, okay, here's a problem. I am now awake to the problem. I see that there's a problem. Mm. I'm ready to jump in and do something. And there's a, a bit of like, the white savior mentality that'll kind of, mm -hmm. you know, which is what I thought of a little bit when you mentioned, you know, these missions trips and, um, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so I think it comes, it, it, a lot of it came from that place, but again, um, there was no knowledge of how that is, is harmful because we, and I mean, we, as the church, we, as the American mm -hmm. church, as the specifically the white evangelical church, we've just not done the work in this for the most part, for the mm -hmm. most part, we have not done the real work, which is why then you have this entire body of people who were ready to engage in the same, the same methods of, bef of before that have just, that are just not good for people of color, for, for their black brothers and sisters. And so um, I don't think this is an answer to your question. These are more my free flowing thoughts. Yeah. That's what um, I want. Yeah. Give it, uh, keep going. The caffeine has just kicked in, but I think um, mm. there's a part of me that says like the local church, this is a local church issue, right? Like the local mm. church needs to equip people um, and send them out better equipped, right? Like mm. this needs to be done in small groups. It needs to be, you know, taught from the pulpit. There needs to be examples, right? Like if I'm a person sitting, I need to see an example of how this is being done correctly, how this is being mm. done right um, without me, you know, doing harm, like emailing my friend and triggering something or, or putting more pressure on the Black people in my life to fix this thing and tell me what to do and tell me what to read. And and I'm not saying, like, if there are friendships, like, I have really good friends who reached out to me during that time that we already had, like, there was relational equity built up. We had already been, and I, I don't like this phrase very much anymore, we had already been doing life together, right? Like, so mm -hmm. there was already, there was foundation there. So I absolutely responded to their text saying, yes, I feel horrible right now. This is really bad. But if you want to do something, read this. Here are the people you should be listening. You know, I think you should be listening to right now. Here are the voices that you should be amplifying. You know, here's a lament that you can read on Sunday. Here's how you can enter. You know, I was happy to do that. Um, mm. It was more challenging, though, when there was no relational equity. You know, there's nothing yeah. here, right? Um, and then it's like, oh, now you want to come in and fix it. Mm. thing you know yeah so I do have a lot I, I still think I'm I think in many ways I'm still processing 2020 and all that <laughs> happened <laughs> join the club right like join the <laughs> join the club but just even how the church responded um yeah. and there were some really good things like there were some marches here in Chicago that you know I was happy to see happen right like um I was happy to see churches uh mobilize and stand together and say mm. this is it like i was happy to see that the proverbial straw had broken a little a little bit right but i was also grieved that it took that right like that it's like we've been you know yeah so that's um yeah 
I, that's my that's my response mm. to everything that you said. Um, these things are complex and nuanced. And yeah, I, well, I love how you're right. Like some of this stuff is hard and easy at the same time, or or hard and simple. I guess is what I'll say. Like mm. um, even though some things are complex and need nuance, some things are really simple, right? Yeah. And so, um, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I I think you know going at things from a relational manner is definitely well. That's what I my observation over the last you know year. Well, no, not even last year. That's I'd say my whole life. Yeah. You know, like when all all of my friends that are people of color, we have relationships, so we can have conversations, and it's and they know I love them. I know they love me. We can agree to disagree. We can, yeah. you know, we're like wrestling through things together, but like we're good, like we're friends. You know, we have relation. We have relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, I think for probably a lot of people, last year was a, an awakening. You know, to use that language, um, <laughs> somewhat. You know, there was definitely people who who like had had just not been aware of maybe some of the complexities that existed in our in our culture. Um, some of the evil, the systemic evils that uh, exist. And so for them, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to become intentional right now. And then they try to go from zero to 60 relationally without the relationship, right? right? Like that. Yeah. Because that's what I observed in this one situation. It was like, oh, I felt, I, in fact, my apology was like, hey, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I, we had interacted and I'm probably, you probably just don't remember it, you know, and I, I was not trying to be that that way with you and I, like, yeah, yeah, like I yeah. was like, I just really wanted to benefit. I really from, wanted that paper. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I just wanted that paper. Yeah. Uh, I think well, like here, like, yeah. and actually, I want to maybe fle- just say something. I would, I was trying to. It was, it was the paper was on, um, on African American churches and their perspective on baptism and how, um, how mm-hmm. that should impact the larger church. And uh, it, which got me this last weekend. I was thinking about. I bought this book a, a while ago. Um, on African American slave songs, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically um, a book that includes all of the the songs from um, from from written by slaves. Uh, they were it's all African spirituals though. It's all yeah. Christian, and um, and so I was I wanted to highlight that book uh, in, in an episode of one of these uh, one of these podcasts, mm-hmm. but it was produced in eighteen something by some white dudes, and it was interpreted by a bunch of white dudes, and I was like. Oh, I don't even know if I can agree with the introduction itself. It's actually so from a historical piece, the only good thing about it is it has the actual lyrics. The compilation and the lyrics. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's fleshed out, it like the theology that's that's taken from it would probably be I I don't know. I haven't read it enough because when I read the inter, the introduction, I was like, eh, no. Yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> like but when yeah. you use terms like the Negro race, I'm already like this may not flesh well, out. Well, yeah, I did not know it was from 1800 as I was reading that. So as I was reading that, I was like, Woo! wait, yeah. Woo! like, yeah. yeah. So anyway, po- point being is that, um, I, like, there's a lot that that the church can learn from different cultures and different societies. Um, but it's like, if you don't have, if there's not relationship, it's just really hard to move forward, I think. And so, like, I felt like, even as you were talking, I feel like the my takeaway and hopefully the takeaway from any, from a lot of us is just to have friends and to have relationships that are not, we're not trying to use each other, but like our genuine, authentic um, relationships, you know? And yeah, that's absolutely um, one big piece of it. I I think that's, I think that's it. And um, what else though? um, One thing you just said that just to circle back to the privilege that you were talking about, like the, 
there was there's such privilege in not having had to be awakened to these things, right? Yeah. Um, totally. I think Ramon either talked about this on the podcast or in in the beginning of his book. I just started it recently, but um, like the privilege to be able to walk a, to walk away from these conversations, um, and and I think like that can be. <laughs> bothersome from for those of us who or maybe it was in Irwin's book I forget I'm reading a lot right mm-hmm. now but 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 that's such a steady like that's something that I would say hey remember that I don't get to turn this off because yeah. the last hashtag is no longer active right like this is mm-hmm. something that that I'm doing and addressing every day not even active just because it's life as a as a black woman in um these United States of America right and so mm-hmm. um I think that's that's helpful and and I, yeah, relationship is huge. It's not the only, it's not the only thing, right? Like, so I'm always careful to just say, you know, yes, let's do this on the ground locally, but also that it's a piece of the bigger puzzle as we move towards um, anti-racism in the church mm-hmm. and in society. So I just wanted to just add that little bit of clarification, but because I do, um, I do love uh, relationship. Um, and I think it's it's yeah. great foundationally. I just wanted to say, you know, because some no, people that's are important. Like, yeah, let's just do the one on one thing. I got my, you know, I got my white friend. Mm-hmm. I got my Asian friend. I can check these boxes off. Mm-hmm. We, we have a rainbow coalition, and and we've solved it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't. I mean, that's like the beginnings, right? Yeah, you know that that's a start, but it's not. Uh, I, I, what you're saying is, I think, really important for people who have maybe not had to face um, the challenges of racism on a daily you know, basis, you know, like if you, if you're dealing with things on a regular basis all the time, then it would, it would, it would seem like, I don't know, it would be a problem, you know, just yeah. to be like, all right, I'm done. All right. We need yeah. to move on though. Yeah. Cause we have a gazillion things I want to ask you. Uh, and black history month, uh, give yeah. me a quick, like take, we, I don't know. We just talked for 50 minutes or something like that. Uh, okay. give me a, give me a hot take. Why, why does it matter for you? Like, why do you think black history month is important? Yeah. Um, so in short, Black History Month has always been important. Like I said, I was raised, I'm a daughter of the Black church. I was raised in the AME Zion um, tradition. I also went to um, a Black Catholic school growing up, growing up for in elementary school and high school. So Black History Month has always just been a thing. I, I can't remember a time that we didn't celebrate it. Um, my mom was also very uh, intentional about like, we're watching Eyes on the Prize. We're watching all of these things. We're, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and reading a lot. And so I love the opportunity um, to celebrate Black cultural, Black accomplishment, the, the Black part of the story of America, right? Um, you know, Black history is American history. Um, and I'm a history major. So history is my thing. My favorite thing to do is to find a great historical book and to sit with it. Um, and so I love it. I love I love what history teaches us. And, and I said this earlier, but there's just something, uh, like if you know a little bit more about even my personal history, it helps you to be a better friend to mm-hmm. me, right? Um, so knowing about the history of my people, of Black Americans, of um, all of it, right? Um, it, it adds to the story of of America. And so, mm. I, yeah, I love Black History Month. I love the fun stuff this year I'm doing. I'm reading. I have a bunch of book recommendations um, and I'm reading a couple of books, but I'm also committed to watching really fun things for Black History Month, things that um, bring joy and laughter. Um, and so there was a great article. Um, I think the title was uh, 
you know, 28 things you can watch this month that are about Black joy, right? Mm-hmm. And that are not about Black trauma. And so um, I'm committed to doing that this year. Oh, that's um, great. And I, I love any opportunity to send out a list of uh, recommended books to uh, my friends and family and the people <laughs> at the Hyde Park Vineyard. So uh, some friends were laughing at me the other day because I sent my email on February 1, I think like at 7.30 a.m. And they're like, were you up with your finger on the button? I was like, I was. I was ready. Um, you were like, it. and, and send. Send. I did. I was like, as soon as the caffeine hit the bloodstream, I, I there were bullet points. It's a thing. Um, That's when I knew. That's when I knew that I was like, oh yeah, Stephanie and I are going to be good friends. Because I, 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 I was like, yeah, no, but I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, can I recommend a book? Can I recommend a book? Yeah. Can I recommend a book? Yeah. Um, that is definitely, I, that's on brand for me. And so, yeah. Um, yeah I, I am that friend. And there's always like, there's always great offerings. I mean, um, like in the past couple of years, you know, the networks and the the big companies, I, I know a bit of it is self-serving, but they do offer, yeah. you know, so there's just so much more out there, um, or at least that's highlighted and, and in the spotlight. And so it's, it's yeah, it's such a, that's such a mixed bag too. With, you know, you talk about the self-serving nature of a lot of this is it's like, it's like, the example being uh, Twitter is not brave for removing certain people off of their platform. Exactly. I'm like, uh, did anybody not just see the last six years? Anybody, Uh, you know, well before the last four, but, or, or even the fact that there's other people that are still on Twitter that are massively involved in um, human atrocities in other countries and things like that. Uh, But I think you're, like with uh, I was just saw this on HBO has a whole list of of uh, Black History Month yeah and part of me is like ah it's HBO I'm it's pretty HBO. sure well it's how I'm justifying my HBO Max yeah. which <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to be clear I only got it because I wanted to watch the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion that was yeah, it was so good gateway. it was so good it was, that was I, me gateway. too our whole um, family watched it and I was like yeah. I was like I I actually. Okay. I cried. I cried. I too. Okay. I cried. Yeah. Because I, I like, grew up watching that show. Yeah. It, um, but that was the gateway. But then I kept it because um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah came out. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, it's it's a great package offering. Um, Amazon Prime has some great stuff. Like I am not yeah. is available on Prime, right? And so you know, I'll take it, right? I'm excited about um having yeah. access to these things. Um, and but and, I also and, realize, like for that's the that's the the tension, the tension. is like I I'm like. I'm sure I'm supporting some type I'm of sure industrial, some, yeah. <laughs> some some industrial complex is being supported yeah. by my. They're oppressing somebody my, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, and so yeah, that's where. Yeah, that's my eat the meat, spit out the bones justification yeah. for no, that. Like, good. for now, or or I'll add in. You know, it's COVID, Jesus, and so I yeah. need a little something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's good. <laughs> so I do, I do. Uh, that's funny. It's fun. It's fun. And we, um, our church has been sending out like every week resources. Um, Donnell Weish is going to be our guest speaker this month. Um, oh, Donnell's coming on. Huh? Uh, he's going to be our guest speaker. And so I need to get him on yeah. my podcast. Yeah, that would be great. Donnell's I mean, great. yeah, Donnell, uh, Donnell is such a, such a good guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I have, so I just have only fond. Every time I have a conversation with Donnell, I'm like, I just, I'm like, oh, I just love. He's such a. I prophetic. learned a lot from him. He's such a. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he is prophet. He's he's prophetic. He is like in the true Old Testament uh, justice. I he's like that guy, you know, where he's gonna ruffle your feathers probably, and it's gonna be really good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, like, or from a white perspective, I'm like, say that. I, it hurts. It, it hurts. hurts. 
But it's, yeah. it's, I needed to hear that. Uh, yeah, so I need yeah, to get him on. Gonna, yeah, he's going to come in and, do our, and be our guest. Oh, that's so. great. Yeah, that's I'm great. excited about that. Uh, will that be in person? No, um, we're going to do the... Um, You're still... We're still, yeah. right. We have, yeah. it'll be for the live stream. We also have a, um, a vineyard interactive service, which is via Zoom on Sunday morning. Oh, okay. so mm-hmm. There'll be like a mini version of his sermon played through that and then through yeah. the live stream at cool. 10 o'clock. And so we're looking well, forward to Well, out here, out here in Calabama, we ain't got no COVID. So we're all I live. Not, I will not comment because this will go into Sun. posterity. And so I will say, I will just Sun. say. Here's the Sunshine. most political thing I will say is, you know, people wear your masks. I, that right. shouldn't be a political statement. But let's I was going to do this for you during our podcast just to, just to, you know. You know, says, I love that. Says love, love that. Hey, love that this neighbor. is, this is happy givers. Okay. The happy okay. givers. I'm going to yeah. check um, I, I, ha- I just wore one of these the other day. So I've got one that also says be kind. And I wore it on the airplane when I was flying from, uh, you know, Minnesota or whatever. And I cannot tell you, I had at least 25 people say, hey, I really like your mask. And I was like. I was it actually wearing these masks keeps me from being mean on an airplane because normally on an airplane I'm like yeah I'm like they don't know me it's a nice check <laughs> yeah they don't know I'm a pastor I can do whatever I want the, don't talk to me love thy yeah. neighbor it says love thy neighbor it's yeah and I was like I was like I found this yeah I found this yeah okay so Black History Month uh those are some good reasons why it matters and i I, i'm asking all my guests this month to talk about that a little bit because uh just i think it's just good to hear from other people why it's why why you value it uh, as an Mm african-american uh okay so you're a lawyer i am uh you i don't even know any good lawyer jokes anymore so i can't do any but uh i'm fascinated uh (laughs) she's like because i'll kill you Uh, yeah, but I, so I had, I had never really, I had uh, interaction with lawyers in the past, but like not enough to be able to like really know anything about them, but I've always been fascinated by lawyers, um, just because it's like one of the, it's, it's like, like for me, when I moved here and I became friends with a bunch of police officers, I got to do a bunch of ride alongs and I was like, I, my primary interaction with police officers before moving to Northern California was primarily negative. So moving here and meeting guys in our church and women in our community, I was like, Oh, they're like followers of Jesus. They're trying to help people in in these, like, they're not all bad, you know, type of thing. So it was really uh, going on a ride along was really helpful. Uh, Same thing. I had the same interest in lawyers because (laughs) it's like you live in a different world uh, and I just haven't been exposed to it. So would you, like talk a little bit about you mentioned earlier how there was congruency in your commitment to justice. Uh, maybe you could even define that for us. Um, and then also your vocation as a lawyer, like, like what's it like, you know, how does your faith influence your, your vocation as a person of the law? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I love being a lawyer. I really do. And um as I mentioned, this is my second career, right? And so, but I've been in the legal field for years. Um, I was a legal assistant for about 17 years before I started law school and continued in that role throughout throughout law school. Um, how does my faith inform my work? I, I think, um, so I'm the same person no matter what I'm doing, or at least I should be, right? Like <laughs> I should be the same person with the same values informing all that I do, right? And so um, I currently work for the city of Chicago. 
uh, my title is Assistant Inspector General. And in our office, what we do is we investigate corruption, we investigate misconduct, waste, et cetera, in city government. So we are an independent agency, right? Like that provides oversight um, to make sure actors are doing good things, good government, um, which is right up my alley, right? Like I love, I love order. I love rules. And um, so when the rules are uh, broken, we come in and, and, and shine that light. Right. Um, mm. That just fit, that just fits with my personality. Just as a FYI, uh, I do I do love the work. Do you um, have siblings? Just out of curiosity, I do. I have a little sister. And did you tattletale um, on her a lot? Just it's tell not tattletelling. Oh no, I, that's my language. But it's, did you? That's, that's, a, that's just an unfair characterization of what's happening. <laughs> I was encouraging justice, a home of order and justice. <laughs> and okay. so, if I had to bring, Fair enough. you know what I'm saying? If I had to bring the justice my mom into the situation <laughs> but we didn't always have to get there and i hope i hope i'm gonna listen let my sister listen to this we'll see if you get some comments about like, yeah yeah hey tell your sister i would like to interview her about this interview <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go i'm sure she'll she'll look back on those days fondly um it was for her good um and so um i, I here's what i bring right like you asked a, a definition of, of justice and for me yeah. um doing justice in a Christ-like way or from a Christ-like biblical foundation is just making things right, right? Like setting setting things right where there have been wrongs, correcting them, um, bringing shalom, right? Bringing welfare, not, not just saying, not just the absence of injustice. Doing biblical justice is an affirmative act, um, yeah, of bringing wholeness, bringing mm-hmm bringing goodness and bringing welfare um, and absolutely seeking peace and shalom. And I love the word when I learned like the word peace is so, I don't want to say bland, but it's just not as full, right? It's, it's you know, lost. It's lost. It's lost its some bite. of the luster, some of the bite, mm-hmm. um, but what it means to seek the wholeness of someone, of a person, yeah. of a system. And so that's how I try to approach everything that I do um, mm. in the church and at work. It's the same value. So um, if there's a person at work who's who's a subject, how am I approaching this case, not just as another case, another number? I still do have to perform and do well at work, right? And working excellently is, is, is a part of it. It's a value, right? Like um, Gino used to say all the time, like that Christians should be the, the best workers, right, at an organization. And, and so I, I take that, um, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, excellence does not require perfection. And again, as an Enneagram three, I have to remind myself of that. But I do try to take and work from a place of excellence um, to glorify God in my work. And part of that is is seeking shalom, seeking the peace of my city, right? Seeking the peace of mm. Chicago um, through saying, no, government can be better. Government should be better. There should not be theft. There should not be waste. Um, and so that's just how I approach it. But I try to approach everything like that. And um, and it's not always easy. And I've, I haven't gotten an A plus in that. You know, there are still, you know, things I'm learning about, like supply chains and food chains, right? Where I'm like, oh, this is an unjust practice that I'm, you know, even how we mm-hmm. were talking earlier, right? Like about HBO Max and stuff like that. But those are things that we do need to think about as believers. Like we're, yeah. we're removed from things. So it's easier for me to like not lose sleep. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like over things. Yeah, yeah, yeah goal, I would just say for me, is to try um, to approach everything from that way of loving my neighbor, neighbors that I can see, can't see, neighbors that I don't particularly care for, 
Um, Mm -hmm. Neighbors that I find ridiculous. (laughs) Neighbors that Mm -hmm. without Christ, I would hate. You know what I'm saying? And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just take that into my work. And I think being a lawyer, um, listen, I I definitely drank the Kool-Aid like the first week of law school when they're like, being a lawyer is a noble profession. So I do cringe at lawyer jokes because I get there, you Mm -hmm. know. I get it. A couple of them are funny. There have been like one or two in the history of the world that have been funny. Um, <laughs> who was it that said, What was it a Roman philosopher who said like, first of all, let's kill all the lawyers? Like, that's so rude. But I'm saying, <laughs> um, I do think like lawyers can do really, really good, right? Like our expertise in society and navigating systems, right? Um, using our words, we use words, we write a lot. I write all day. Um, so doing that to the glory of God is is just, yeah, that's how I, I, I want to approach it is how it's aspirationally how I, I like to approach it. And um, yeah, mm. just want to do good. I just want to do good um, mm-hmm. and not do harm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's really no. I think that's really. Um, I, I there is a there is a virtue and a nobility about <clears throat> pursuing justice. I think you know, and um, as much as I, te- you know, because I am clearly not the guy. Uh, I, I like to argue, but that's about a, the only aspect of lawyering that I would be <laughs> probably well, that's good just at. A but tiny part of what we do. Yeah, I know that. That's what I'm saying. That's I, the only yeah. part that I like to do. <laughs> Like, uh, but I, but I think there's a nobility, uh, in pursuing justice and, you know, cause I always think like Shalom is a great, when you talk about how that's, it's got a little bit of oomph to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the same way of, uh, Makarios is the Greek word for blessed, right? The, the idea of mm-hmm. blessed are those who, you know, the sure. Beatitudes yeah. and it's, it's more than just being happy, you know, yeah. like there's a, there's a, um, uh, it affects the whole being biblical joy the kind of joy that we experience. And I think the same thing is true about peace and justice, you know, that there's, there's something really beautiful when vindication is a, is a, um, an interesting thing that I encountered when I was in grad school. I was reading this. I can't remember her name, but she was a Korean theologian mm-hmm. talking about vindication and how in um, a lot of circles like vindication is like, oh, that's, that's, you know, bad. You shouldn't seek vindication, you know, because that's like, you're not forgiving them. And, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like that was my, I just realized that that was an influence I had where I saw vindication is almost like it's vindictive, you know, yeah, exactly. Like it was really all tied in together, but, um, this, this particular theologian, um, uh, she was talking about just how some of the atrocities that had happened um, in the past in in Korea, and how um, a lot of Christians during that time um, leaned into the Psalms and the psalmist's emphasis on vindication being a promise from God that sure. um, gave them hope. And I was like, I just realized I was like, man, I hadn't even thought about that. And now, I, I when I, when I read the Psalms, I can't help but that like jumps off the pages. Sure, of the vindicate me, oh Lord, right? Like, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Sure. And that I think again highlights um, some of the privilege that I've had in my life because like vindication wasn't a big, like I haven't had a lot of situations in my life where I'm Deleted. like, Lord, vindicate right. me. You know, right. I have been oppressed. Like, sure. I, I, I haven't, you know, sure. like I got a latte once that did not have the three shots I ordered and I was and pretty you were ready angry. To, like flip over tables, right? Yeah, I was yeah. ready to write them Psalms. But, right. uh, but on, a, on the real, like that, yeah. that I think uh, is an interesting thing about the Bible. Um, there's a book that I have to recommend. Um, and I think you've read it or you are, but reading the Bible while black. Yeah. And uh, Esau is, it, yeah, it is, it's, the book is, first of all, he's Anglican. 
So I just you know, like, we, yeah, we, we <laughs> love you. Yeah. You know how we, uh, yeah. You know, I have yeah. that same passion for yeah. the Anglicans. Yeah. I just told, I told uh, one of my leaders, because uh, we use the Book of Common Prayer a lot around here. And I was like, I'm like, I'm the most Anglican, non Anglican, you know. Like, that's what you yeah, need to know about I me. Right you. I generally send <laughs> yeah. you my, uh, my angle. Yeah. I think yeah. he's, he's, he's uh, on my mind because his writing, I always feel like we're, we're yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. I'm like, we hang out every weekend. I, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm listening to your podcast. I feel like, yeah. 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 Um, but, his, but his book, I think, really uh, is one of the many things is just to read scripture through a different lens. Um, and I think it's probably good for everybody, like to read read scripture through a different lens than your, than your typical. Yeah. You'll start to see, like what I've found is I see the humanity in other cultures and other ethnicities in a way that's different than I had while reading it as, as you know, me and my, my culture. So shout out to that book. I think that's a great book. Um, all right. Well, I know you've got to get going. Um, I just, we have to do this again, um, because we have to. This There's like a thousand things. I've got like a thousand things I want to talk to you about. But um, for everybody who is new to the Stephanie world, you are on Twitter and folks can follow you there, right? Yes. If if they get past your gate, <laughs> if, if you if you accept them. <laughs> if I choose to accept, but yes, yeah. you, you find me on yeah. Twitter. So it's uh, at the Steph Snow is your Twitter. Um, you are online on, on Twitter and then uh, you participate in uh, your local church quite a bit. Um, and I just really appreciate you and your friendship and all that you are doing, uh, I think, for the Vineyard Movement. But I think just the church at large is really, you know, benefits from your thinking. Um, I, you know, I also forgot to mention you helped our region. Um, we we did something. It was a prayer vigil, an online prayer vigil, <laughs> which I never thought I'd say the words online prayer vigil. But yeah. Uh, you helped our, our region do that. And that was really, really yeah. great. And I think having your coaching and your uh, help you know, was really great for Rose, yeah. our regional leader. So shout out to Rose. Yeah, shout um, out to Rose. Um, and the upcoming, yeah. there's an upcoming um, Color of Compromise uh, group that's that's um, happening in your region that I'll be yeah. part of. Are, so. you're, you're like, you're kind of, you're coaching, you're, you're participating. <laughs> one, of, in that, one of the facilitators. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that the technical term facilitator? That's the term I'm using. Okay. <laughs> technical term, I think. Have you have that's you noticed how part. terms change? It's like coach, facilitator, facilitator director. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, facilitator. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it used to be senior pastor. Now it's lead pastor. No one's senior pastors. Old people. It's lead pastor. These terms, so. I can't keep up. I know. I seriously, uh, yeah. but Hey, thanks so much uh, for being a part of the podcast for our listeners and viewers. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we're going to keep on, keep on keeping on. Uh, if you enjoy this uh, podcast, uh, I'd love to encourage you to leave a review. Um, you can do that on Apple or all the, all the different social media uh, platforms that you get it. That'd help um, get the word out a lot. Stephanie, thank you so much. I'm going to let you say the last words. If you want to uh, sign us off. Yeah, no, I just, um, I'm happy to have been here. Thank you. And I just want to encourage people. I know this work is messy and um, challenging. And sometimes we are afraid when we don't see fruit, but keep doing it. Keep pressing in, invite, um, not just invite Jesus, ask him to to help us um, join in what he's doing. Um, and there will be fruit in, in this life, I believe. And um, in the rest of time. And so that's it. Blessings to every listener. Woo!
Thank mm-hmm. you.